Saudi Arabia has been pushing the boundaries of innovation with its futuristic cities and developments, while still keeping a firm focus on its culture, identity, and natural environment. From the kingdom's capital Riyadh to its new megacity Neom in the Tabuk province and the newly announced Mukab, Saudi Arabia is on a mission to create a diverse range of hubs that can attract investments and talent. Saudi engineers are driving these exciting new projects and also contributing to keeping the Saudi nature and identity intact. My name is Tariq Shahabuddin, and in this episode of the Anticipate Podcast, I'm delighted to be joined by Beyond Michael Iverson, Operations Director for Project Management Services at WSP in Saudi Arabia. I will also meet with several Saudi engineers to explore how they play a significant role in preserving the culture, identity, and nature of Saudi. Mike, welcome to this episode of the Anticipate Podcast. I know you have been living and working in Saudi for years, and you have a close connection with both the country and the people. It would be great if we share with our audience your views on how the engineering industry in the kingdom has changed and grown between the past and the present. Just a little bit about myself. First time I came into Saudi Arabia was with my parents and I was 11 years old. I learned to read, write and speak Arabic at that age. Went to an international school in Riyadh. And the second time we moved to Saudi Arabia, I was a little bit older and studied at the University of Riyadh, Arabic language there. In fact, my wife and I met here. Our fathers worked together with the Corps of Engineers. So when I was younger, my first two times in Saudi Arabia, I was uh, I was a kid, really, and wasn't working, uh, but I was watching and observing. And I, I watched what my father did and my father-in-law did and who they worked with. And they were with the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. They worked with the Ministry of Defense and, the, and they worked with the Saudi military engineers. And these were engineers who were educated in the United States, both in university and in uh, U.S. military schools, U.S. Army Engineer School, as an example. They were highly professional. They were senior uh, Saudi officers. Um, and the focus, of course, back in those days was on five-year development programs in the kingdom. And these uh, each five-year program focused on security, defense, developing agriculture, developing the infrastructure of the country, developing the transportation infrastructure of the com- country. And they were they were highly disciplined, well-funded programs. But, you know, back in those days, you, you didn't see women in the engineering world or the architectural world at all. At least, at least in public, you didn't see them. They were, in a way, they were relegated to, to women-only um, sections of society or uh, such as banking schooling medical um, accounting but you didn't you didn't see them in in the engineering and architecture world that of course has changed now but but that was a prominent part of, of saudi society back in those days that was great to hear so working with numerous saudi engineers in your career must have been a chance to see the the type of perspectives they bring to the table How do you see their role in making a uh, unique identity for Saudi uh, supporting its diversification plans? What we see today is just an absolutely fantastic blend of younger Saudi educated and internationally educated professionals, both women and men. And the women in the workforce right now is absolutely the norm. Okay, these young graduates, these young professionals are brilliant. They're motivated. 
They're technically ready for challenges. They are state-of-the-art engineers and architects. They're ready for challenges ahead of them. They're, they're ready for the opportunities that are ahead of them. And they're absolutely optimistic about their future and the future and direction of the kingdom. And, and they're heavily involved in everything that we do now, whether it's architecture, whether it's document control, whether it's site engineers as inspectors or safety engineers, whether it's project managers, assistant project managers, they're in, they're in every aspect of WSP's roles and and projects in the in Saudi Arabia right now. They are absolutely a part of every every aspect of that, especially the the young professionals. And we recognize that we are blessed to have the sharp professionals that we have on the team right now. And we recognize also though that we're going to have to invest in those young professionals help them develop their skills and, the, and develop in their profession moving forward. And we understand that, that they are the future of WSP in Saudi Arabia and in the Middle East, of course, writ large, but especially in Saudi Arabia these days. So, and we, and we take that very seriously. The programs that we have on at WSP right now are absolutely incredible for the development and the progression of our, of our young professionals. Talking about the Saudi identity, of course, takes us to the existing portfolio of projects. I spoke with Ali Al-Alawi, our assistant project manager, about his views in relation to these projects and how they will help give unique experiences to visitors and help achieve economic diversification in the kingdom. Ali, glad to have you on the podcast. Thank you, Tariq. Uh, it's my pleasure to be part of this podcast. The economy of Saudi Arabia is shifting away from oil, gas, and bitter chemicals, adding more pillars to the economy to achieve resilience and diversification. Personally speaking, since I joined WSB, I have been involved in four projects. These are the Gate, Misk, Red and Toyk Balas, and Saudi Electric Company. The common factor among these different projects is that they all support the Saudi vision of 2030. As you can see, they are in the diverse industries, including tourism, education, sustainability, and development of existing areas. Tourism is one of the sectors that are being taken to a whole new level in the kingdom. The government has invested heavily in what I would call giga projects, whether these projects are in new destinations or existing cities. They have one common factor, which is celebrating the Saudi identity and heritage. What projects like Daraya Gate, Al-Ula, Neom, and Ritzi have in common is that they all contribute to the tourism sector once completed. Most of them represent a paradigm shift in engineering by implementing new and futuristic technologies. However, they are anchored in Saudi history and heritage. Interesting. So what are the main challenges of managing the delivery of this massive project portfolio from your own point of view? Localizing expertise is certainly a challenge. Attracting the best experts from around the world is challenging, especially considering the massive portfolio of projects that are being delivered within a window of few years. Supply chain is also a major challenge. The new technologies required for this future-ready mix of projects require us to utilize the best suppliers from all over the world. Also, the current contractor pool requires upscaling to be able to handle the new projects. As WSB, we have been working with our contractors to share our knowledge with them. The government authorities also have initiatives to upscale and qualify the local contractors. However, these challenges are a normal part of a project and program delivery, and I think that the private and public sectors in Saudi have the capacity and competency to deal with them. 
We can see considerable investment in several projects in Saudi geared toward the preservation of the cultural identity and heritage as part of the Saudi uh, 2030 vision. I asked Father Al-Busayli, our assistant design manager, about the end goal of these efforts. Happy for you to join us, Father. Thank you, Tarek, for having me on the podcast and giving me the opportunity to talk about Saudi transformation. As part of Vision 2030, the kingdom is preparing to move away from dependence on oil export. Diversification efforts are running in parallel in different sectors, and one of them is tourism. So celebrating our unique identity, heritage, and culture is so important to enable a strong and sustainable tourism activity. With that said, however, I would say preserving our heritage and culture is not for economic diversification purposes but it also helps pass our history and the traditional to the future generation. Investing in tourism development is necessary if we are to celebrate the historical value of our country. Saudi Arabia is a massive country with multiple subculture and different types of architectural. For example, Riyadh has different type of architecture than Medina, Al-Taif has different than Asir city. So in the kingdom here, we have a rich, deep history. So we have around six archaeological sites that have been listed on the UNESCO World Heritage including Al-Hasa Oasis, Al-Hijra Mada'an Saleh, Al-Tarif District in Al-Dir'iyya, Historical Jid Al-Balad, Rock Art in Hayal, and Hima Culture Area. Very interesting. So what are the main challenges that normally face a heritage preservation project? What the main challenge? Personally, I have been working with WSP on Wadi Safar project, which is one of Al-Dir'iyya's project, and I have experienced heritage preservation and I know how hard and difficult it is. Working in a heritage area means that you are very restricted in the plan you allocate for different purpose. You also have to build a strict management system to ensure that the design are implemented with no harm or change to the artifacts or the historical style of the place you are working, if you know what I mean. Also, preserve, preservation projects require a specialized supply chain. As WSP, we always share out knowledge with contractor and stakeholder to ensure the right quality when delivering these projects. So how can we use the Saudi heritage and identity to build unique moments of delight for our uh, visitors? Good question. I believe heritage and culture are the positive and mindful element of our country's identity. In Saudi, we have both tangible and intangible heritage elements that we can use to create unique moments of truth for visitors. The intangible assets recognized by the UNESCO are eight, and these include falconry, the art of sad weaving, and traditional drumming, which is a performance that marks the national and family celebration and religion holidays. Also, we have Al-Ard al-Najdiyya, is a traditional act combining dance, drumming, and poetry. So offering visitors the chance to experience these intangible culture elements would provide them with experience that they cannot find elsewhere. Also, we have the tangible element that include al-ula and al-dri'iyya. In al-dri'iyya, if you go, you will see the historical UNESCO World Heritage site of Taref district, which is known as the birthplace of the kingdom. So activating these places and creating a new destination would definitely create unforgettable, unique moments that visitors would not find elsewhere. Saudi engineers have also been involved in projects and initiatives that are aimed at protecting the Saudi natural habitat. I'm glad to have Yusuf Al-Sanan, our graduate consultant for environment and sustainability, join us today. Thanks, Tariq. It is a pleasure to be on this podcast. Yusuf. Tell us about your experience working with WSP on preservation projects and how we can protect the endangered species in Saudi. Well, um, as WSP, we have been working with several clients in Saudi 
We have provided terrestrial survey, including habitat mapping, vegetation, reptiles, mammals, and bird surveys. We have done environmental noise monitoring and a lot of desktop environmental research for several projects. I would also like to thank WSP for giving me the opportunity to visit a lot of fascinating different project sites in Saudi Arabia. For instance, one of my recent site visits was to Sharan Nature Reserve. The area of Sharan is more than 1,600 kilometers, which gives a tremendous amount of open ground for the animals to either graze or hunt different animals. Many other reserves are even more than 12,400 square meters in Al-Ula. In terms of how we can protect endangered species, I would like to say that there are already significant progress that is taking place in Saudi at the moment. For example, the Arabian leopard, which is classified as endangered by the International Union of Conservation of Nature, has significantly grown in number. The nature reserves in Al-Ula helps uh, the Arabian leopard to repopulate as they provide safe environment for them, including the right wildlife ecosystem and the chance to coexist with humans in the surrounding communities. Also, many different animals are being reintroduced to their natural habitat in Al-Ula, such as the Arabian gazelles, sand gazelles, Arabian oryx, Nubian ibex, and there are many more. All the animals being released have lightweight uh, solar-powered satellite colors to help protect them more in depth. This is only one example of the progress being made, but perhaps what is eventually more important is the growing awareness in Saudi towards endangered species. This awareness is an essential step in every effort to preserve the natural identity of the kingdom. I'm glad that you refer to habitat preservation as the preservation of the natural identity of Saudi. What contribution can natural habitat preservation provide to tourism and Saudi's economic uh, diversification plans? The natural environment of any country is an integral part of its economy and identity. Take, for example, countries such as New, New Zealand and Australia and how they celebrate their nature in every possible way. You will find local plants and animals on their currency, passport, and every marketing campaign, which does help attract visitors and boost the tourism in their country. In the region, you might have noticed how Qatar Airways represent its identity and the countries use the oryx. In Saudi, we have a large variety of local animals, including a variety of oryx. So definitely, using these to create a mental image of the type of adventure people will go through when they visit the kingdom, attract more people to experience different parts of Saudi. Of course, um, the archaeological uh, discoveries can also be used to create this mental image. We have a uh, carvings of ancient people who lived in Saudi Arabia a long time ago. We have also native plants that can be used along with animals and artifacts, in addition to the new iconic cities to create both the unique moments of truth for visitors and tourism identity for the country. Thank you so much, Yusuf. 
I think preserving our natural habitat is of paramount importance to our environment, people, and economy. To our audience, thanks for listening all the way through. Please leave us a comment if today's episode has sparked your interest, and don't forget to join us in two weeks for a new talk.